the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, welcome to the Passion Church. Um, tonight's message is called The Full Gospel. There's no sheet for to write that on, but you can, unless you want to want to write it on the back of an envelope or something. We call it the full gospel. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. And while you're turning there, I'll tell you a story about the zesty Italian. <laughs> How'd you know? Yes, my papa, her daddy, I, I call him these days the zesty Italian because... Uh, he was full-blooded Italian, and he had some uh, unique personality traits. He, he was quite the character. I remember we used to have uh, card parties over his house every weekend, and I was a kid at the time. I was so thankful. All the aunts and uncles would come over, and they'd play cards, Boo-Ray or whatever kind of card games, that poker, whatever they were playing. I don't want to know. But, but us kids, we would all go play around the barn and play hide-and-seek all night, you know, and just have a good time. So we loved, you know, when everybody would come over. And uh, my papa, he could be so happy. You know, he'd be the, the nice host and everything, and he'd be joyful. But there'd be about one weekend out of every month that somebody would get on his last nerve and flip that crazy switch <laughs> on that zesty Italian. And when they did, he, he was a big old guy, and he had these big old bushy eyebrows. And you could tell when he was about to get mad, they'd do this number here. <laughs> and they were big and bushy, and they had, you know, and they had strands going on. By the time, you know, when, when I was young, he had already turned gray and stuff. So he had these gray, big, bushy eyebrows. You could tell when he was about to get mad. Somebody at the table would be cheating somebody else, or they'd, husband and wife would start bantering back and forth or doing something that was getting on his last nerve. Finally, he couldn't take it no more. He'd stand up and say, this is my house. Y'all hit the road. He didn't care who was in there once that crazy switch would hit. He didn't, it, decorum had no place. <laughs> he, you couldn't talk him out of it either. And some of them would say, come on, Nella, we're sorry. Just sit down, Nella. We're, no, that's it. Hit the road. Oh, y'all hit the road. And the funny thing is my grandmother, Mary, I called her Mimi, she would always take Papa's side no matter how wrong he was. And she would jump up and say, you right, Nello. You tell him. And he'd look at her and say, you hit the road too, Mary. <laughs> because when he got to that point, he didn't care. You hit the road too. Everybody hit the road. Oh, my papa. We got a thousand stories about papa. Like the one time I may have already told you this one. Uh, he caught me in the driveway. and He lived on the 61 highway. And, I, and uh, he was so mad, he pulled that big old belt off. And, you know, it took him about 13 minutes to unwrap it off. <laughs> and he got that belt and started whooping me there in the driveway one time. He whooped me so hard, I'm not kidding, the cars on 61 Highway came to a stop. My all got out and started watching. Whop! <laughs> he was giving it to me good. So needless to say, when, when I would and a lot of times when I tell stories about the zesty Italian, 
it makes him sound bad. You'd think he's a little loco or whatever. But uh, why'd I tell you this story? I'll tell you later. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden, and he came again and again. So he didn't just come one time. It, it sounds like a, a history of him coming and checking. He'd come again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Man, this tree is not bearing fruit. Finally, finally denotes that maybe he's put a lot of effort into seeing about this. Finally, he says to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig, not one. Cut it down. Hit the road. <laughs> no, cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. And then the gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. Say dung. D-U-N-G. <laughs> he says, if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. I got a question. Are you producing fruit in your life? Gen uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord says, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. That he also is flesh. <laughs> in other words, this sinful flesh of ours can draw out the zesty Italian in our Father God. He said, man, my, my, my spirit's not always going to strive with these people because they too much flesh. Because when they sinned in the garden, they were infected. The flesh was infected. And at that time, you know, back in the early days, people lived to be 900 and something years old. Adam lived to be 930. Does anybody remember how old Methuselah was? 969. That's right. No, they lived that long. But this is where God said, man, I'm not doing this no more. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that about your kids? Dude, I'm not doing this no more. And then after that, he says, from then on, you know, y'all not living more than 120 years. I can't put up with y'all that long. And so, it, you know, still some people live up to 120 these days, but not very rare. I mean, very often. But, but does all this talk about producing fruit and Having your years shortened, does that make you a little nervous at all about God? Well, maybe it should. Because it says in Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's just where it starts. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. What do you know about holiness? Do you want to get some understanding? What do you know about God's holiness? Do you fear him? Do you have any knowledge of who he is? For by me these days shall be multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased. So do you want to live long on the earth? Or do you want to have your years cut short? Or do you want to be 
plucked up and taken out of the garden. The fear of the Lord and knowledge of his holiness. Now let's bring some balance to things. See, that's what I'm here to do. Lately, I've done a lot of preaching on love, right? How many was here Sunday when I preached about uh, accepting folks, loving folks, welcoming folks, and, and having mercy on people and all? Everybody knows that's part of God's character, love, acceptance, and mercy. Uh, if you were here last Wednesday, we talked about reading the Word of God for all it was worth. And how do you do that? In context. You know, you read it and you say, okay, who's he speaking to? You know, who's speaking in the first place? Is, is this, uh, this God talking or where's it coming from? Where, what's surrounding it? What comes before? What comes afterwards? So forth. In context. In other words, keeping everything in balance. I, that just happens to be where God's leading me right now. It's to help us keep things in balance. Because you know a lot of Christians, there's a ditch on either side of the road. <laughs> You know, and so you can get it out of balance. When we were talking about the Word of God, you know, you can't just skip over verses that you don't like. You, well, that's kind of hard. I'm not going to read that anymore and pretend I didn't know that. You can't do that. Right? It's there. And it's the same way with the character of God. You can't say, well, I like that loving God, that merciful God, but that one that's that, that'll do the judging, that holy God, that righteous God, not so much. The one in the Old Testament, we, we want to think there's two gods, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. Amen? Y'all don't shout me down now. We can't skip over parts of God's character that we don't think we like. I say don't think we like, because if you actually got to know him, and the fullness of his character and what it means, you would like that part. You would like him more. In fact, you limiting God to be this God that you want him to be is causing you not to know the fullness of the God that you really want him to be. Do you want a God that's not just? That doesn't make judgment? That isn't holy? That doesn't tell the truth? That isn't right all the time? Of course you do. So once we get to understand the fullness of God's character, the more we'll like him. That's why I don't, I don't subscribe to not reading the Old Testament. Because in reading the Old Testament, I get a sense of what pleased God and what didn't. You know, And I get a sense of the seriousness of God, and it makes me appreciate the grace in which I stand now so much more. If you're just all in the New Testament, you can be grace-heavy and be a little off-kilter, not in balance. God is certainly gracious. He's loving, he's merciful, but he's also a just, holy, righteous God. And he's jealous. He, my Bible tells me he's a jealous God because he doesn't want to share you with the world. You know what I mean? He wants you for himself. He's just as... Complex as the zesty Italian. <laughs> More. You think about Jesus, you know. One minute he'd be welcoming little children and sitting them on his lap and blessing them, cuddling with them. Next moment he's running the money changers out with a whip. You know, he came as a little lamb. But he's coming back 
as a lion with fire in his eyes and a sword. You know, he has, he's like us. He has complex personality. He's not one-dimensional. God is so dimensional. He is so, he's really beyond the, the scope of us being able to find out in one lifetime. But it's so worth it to try. He has so many wonderful character traits. We need to understand how they all intersect and how they intertwine and how they meld together and how they, you may expect him to react to situations in your life. You see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. For example, we all know he's merciful, right? We know God is merciful. But if we just see him as merciful without the holiness aspect, we might view it as an excuse or an enablement for us to sin. Well, he's merciful. I know he's going to forgive me every time, you know. Then we lack understanding, and our view of God's mercy just became destructive instead of good. Am I making sense? If you just see him as merciful, you're one-dimensional on how you see him, and, it, and that makes you think, well, I can see him. Well, his, that perception of him is causing you trouble, not good, because there's no balance there. You know, good things can be bad. I know uh, you've walked up to a fire on a cold night, and you felt the warmth, and you say, I like fire. You've cooked some toast in your oven or something, I like fire. Cooks your food, it keeps you warm. But you know, fire will burn your house down. Without a proper understanding of how to use fire. Same thing with electricity. I like having lights and, and heating and air. Thank goodness for whoever invited, uh, invented air condition. You know, but ask Van, you don't want to touch a live wire, 220 volts, you know. You don't want to do that. Because it can be dangerous if you handle it incorrectly. A lot of us want to check our credit score. Credit Karma or something, you know, dot com. Check our, we want to have a high credit score. We want to be able to borrow the money that we need to get to the things w- that we want, you know. And it can be a good thing to have a good credit score. But if there's no limits, if there's no understanding of what credit will do, you can find yourself so far in debt You'd be wishing I would have never signed up for any credit. Right? <laughs> Good things that can be bad, even food, you know. We all love to eat some food. But, you know, if you eat the wrong foods, it can be unhealthy. If you eat too much of this or that, there's no balance. What happens? Things fall off track. I'm still talking about the character of God and how to understand and put things in context. Because, see, the, lo- the Christian life is a complex life. If you're going to understand who God is, wh- how to read his word, how to understand the way that you're supposed to live. But, see, we're to live by the fear of the Lord and the understanding of his holiness and the, and the word of God and the, and the understanding and the discernment and stuff that that brings into our life. We're supposed to dig in. We're not supposed to just stay, you know, like little babies. We got to grow up. Yeah, we got to get, get smarter in our understanding. So why do so many believers, born again, children of God, act like they have no covenant? Act like they have no promise from God? 
They live just like the world, defeated by sin, and live in bondage to the effects of it, to the addictions, whatever the same things that the world is, is held by. You know, they have an excuse. They can't understand the Word of God. They're just left to their own foolishness. But what's our excuse? And, and, and many Christians, you know, it's like the parable of the sower. They get it for a minute, but then the cares of this life or the deceitfulness of riches and lust for other things, all those things enter in, and they're like a pig that goes right back to the mud. God got them out, cleaned them up. Do you think, what does God, he, he didn't clean you up, got you shiny and all pink again, and you're like, squeal, right back into the mud. Oh, does that make God happy? Like a, a dog returning to vomit, the Bible says. You go right back into the mess, that, the filth that God delivered you out of. But it's a history in the Bible, I see it. Because I read the Old Testament and, and know the things that's happened in Kings and Chronicles and all those things and how the... You can see a lot about the character of man in the Bible as well. You learn from other people and their mistakes. And we see a history that the, God's people seem to experience more sorrow in the world than the, the lost people. And we're people of covenant. We're people that are supposed to be blessed, living in the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. What are we doing? We see that God's people in slavery in Egypt. You remember it started with Abraham's covenant. We're all heirs of the covenant of Abraham. Passed down to Isaac. Isaac was blessed, covenant man. Passed down to his son, Jacob, covenant man. Wherever your feet tread, I'll give you kind of stuff. Whenever you're in covenant with God, it's a good deal for you. Even, if, even the old covenant was a good deal for us. And so these are covenant people. But then the 12 tribes, they threw their brother into the well, and Joseph had to you know, go into Egypt. And then the whole long story, before it's over with, for 400 years, God's covenant people are what? Enslaved. Why, how can somebody with the covenant from God, what is God doing? Did he forget his side of the covenant? No, we forgot our side of the covenant. <laughs> and then later we find God's children in exile in Babylon. We see, you know, during the reign of the kings, there'd be a good king, a bad king. They would be in bondage. They'd have to get somebody to deliver them, a prophet or something, you know, a judge, over and over and over. This, are, are you tired of those kind of cycles in your life? up and down are God's people supposed to be like human roller coasters no. or as Gary says yo-yos <laughs> up and down going through hard times going through good times we see in more modern times the holocaust God's chosen people the Jews endured are we people who can't enter the promised land? 
Are we just people who won't enter the promised land? I mean, can we throw it off on God and say, God, you're not able. Your arm's too short. You can't save. Your, your covenant's no good. Or is it that we're the stiff-necked people that won't go in? Turn to Second Peter in the first chapter. I'm just talking about the history of the, you know, God's people, not necessarily us. Don't be offended yet. I hadn't even got to the good stuff. <laughs> Y'all know I'm on your side, right? You know I'm one of you, so whatever I say to you, I'm saying to me. So Y'all know that. I'm not preaching at you. I'm trying to help us all. And then you don't need my help. That's why we got the Word of God. Second Peter 1, verse 2. This is so good. We see this all the time. I mention it all the time, but just to see it in this context. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Isn't that what we want, grace and peace? And how do you get it? Growing in your knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus. Isn't that what we're talking about? Being willing to investigate the character, the traits of our God, to know who he is. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Did he say, I've given you most of what you need? A good portion of it? Should, enough to get you through? No, everything that you need to live a godly life by his divine power, is already yours. We have received all of this, how? By coming to know him. Doesn't even say by coming to know the rules of how to work the instructions, to how, to, how to get there by the maps. No, by coming to know him. Oh my goodness, this is so good. The one who called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and grace. So he has called us to himself, wants you to know him, and because, hold on, let me change the page. Never had such a problem changing the page. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great, and precious promises. Is his promises a maybe? Maybe I will. Or his precious promises, precious promises. You know what his precious promises are? You know where they're found? It's called the new covenant. It's better than the old covenant. It's cut in the very blood of his son Jesus. It's actually a covenant between the father and the son. And we've been cut out of the picture, thank goodness, because we couldn't live up to our part of the covenant. So he did it for us. 
And we've been given these great and precious promises, and these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. What are we talking about? The nature of God. Knowing who he is, and now it says that we can share in his nature and escape the world's corruption caused by what? Human desires. The flesh. This lazy old flesh, the same thing he was dealing by. My spirit shall not always strive with man because he's flesh. And he's telling us now we can escape this nature, this old man, this sin that we once were, these human desires. And in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So that tells us we have to make an effort. He's not going to heap it on you. He doesn't make you blessed. You got to make every effort to respond. There is a response required to the promises of God. And here's what they are. Supplement your faith. You had faith to receive Jesus, right? It just took a little faith to say, will you help me up out of here? Really, that's all the faith it took to believe that he could pull us up. We reached up for Jesus. We had that enough faith right there. So supplement that faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Whose responsibility is it to live with moral excellence? Ours. And moral excellence with knowledge. Whose responsibility is it to get knowledge? And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge. There it is again, the knowledge. The more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that I might know him, that I might know him. See, that is our responsibility, to know him. I would venture to say that you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's already in there. Say, it's already in there. The salvation package is a whole package and it's put on the inside of you from the beginning, the moment you say yes to the Lord. He sends his spirit into your heart. His very nature, the person that he is, is now in you. And everything that you need to live a godly life is already in there. And that's why it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's that word fear again. To fear the Lord with trembling to think, what if God did all this for me and I still live an ordinary life? How is that going to look in the end when I have the nature of God on the inside of me and I live an ordinary life no different from the people that don't know him? How am I going to explain this? 
on judgment day. He's given us a shed full of tools, but until we open the door to the shed and we start pulling them out and start fixing something, start making something with them, they're no good to us. It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to be. Believing is, anybody can say they believe, but faith puts that belief in action. True faith. It believes that it's there, that I am, because he is. I can do all things because he strengthens me. Everything that I need is in there. I am what I am. By the grace of God, true faith acts on what it believes. So where's the battle? We're three-part beings, right? Body, soul, and spirit. We were born into sin. We were dominated by this flesh, this body, this sinful flesh. We were dark, dead in our sins and trespasses, no light in our spirit. Our spirit had died. Because of the sin of Adam. And we have this soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, our thinker, and our feeler, and our our understander, and our personality, and who you are as an individual is in your soulish realm. But we were trapped in this body of flesh and harassed by the devil. But God sent his spirit into us because of what Jesus did on the cross, made it possible for the veil to be torn And your heart now become the temple of the living God and the Holy Spirit sent into your heart in power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your mortal body and can raise your body of death like you went under in baptism and came up in a new life. But the problem is the in-between, the flesh the soul, and the spirit. And we got to make a decision every day. Am I going to walk in the flesh or am I going to walk in the spirit? To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Which one do you want? You have to make the decision, flesh or spirit, life or death, blessing or cursing, and the decision is on us, not God. He's done all he can do. He's done everything short of take away your free will and choose for you, but he won't. All the power is there if you will believe. (sighs) David Wilkerson says the new covenant It's for sick souls who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, it was never supposed to be just a ticket to heaven. Oh man, I'll say that prayer. Let me in on this deal. It was supposed to be for people who were sick of the life they're living. Sick souls who were hungry and thirsty for something new. But I believe that many have parroted that prayer and they think it's just safe board and passage to heaven and a life 
and a license to live in a twisted understanding of God's grace. A license to sin. That's what God's grace is for. That's greasy grace. That's not godly grace. That's not in context with God's character. That understanding of grace will cause you more harm than good. That's twisted. If that's the way you understand God's grace, you're mistaken. God's grace is to give you power to defeat sin, not to complete sin, but to defeat sin. Not to enable sin, but to defeat sin. We have no excuse. How many remembers we little Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man, and he lived in Jericho, and he was a tax collector, and he was unjust. He was a sinner, probably chief of sinners in Jericho. But he heard Jesus was coming through, so he climbed a sycamore tree because he couldn't see over the crowd, and he got up there, and he saw Jesus. What's more important is Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And so Jesus went straight to Zacchaeus and called him out by name. And said, Zacchaeus, you probably said it better than I do. I must go to your house tonight. I can imagine little Zacchaeus' eyes. Let's go, let's go, woo! He jumped down out of that tree, and, and all the religious people, Pharisees, there he goes again, off to the sinner's house. I don't understand this. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus is so excited when Jesus... Walks in his door, Zacchaeus just blurts out. Man, if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to give them back four times as much. And I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. The presence of the grace of God wrecked this man's life. Wrecked everything he thought he might have, would have been. Right there. And Jesus says this in Luke 19, 9. He said, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. A true man of covenant. A true man that's going to be blessed. Because he received the grace of God. And he responded like somebody hungering and thirsting for righteousness. But what if Zacchaeus would have just said, yeah, come on over, Jesus. I'll fix you something to eat. There would have been no repentance in his heart. There would have been no turn from his ways. Would Jesus say salvation has come to this house today? He might have went around and told all his friends, I met Jesus. Jesus came to my house. And then went right back to his ways. The willingness to change is so important. None of us have it all figured out. No, none of us know all of, about God's character. I'm growing in the knowledge of the Lord just like you are. It's a lifelong endeavor. 
and, and we can't, we won't know him in this lifetime the, the way we'll know him when we see him face to face. But every minute that we spend studying God, his character, spending with him, that's the best, what's the best way to get to know somebody? Is it sending emails back and forth, text? Spending time with them. As we discover who he is, we discover who we are to be. See how that works? The reason we need to know who he is is so that we can know who we are. We're Christians, little Christ, Christ like. We're to be like him, we're to imitate him, to be his ambassadors, to show forth his light, his glory on this earth. Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's you. You're the light of the world because you follow Jesus. He said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's you. Because you follow Jesus. You study his character. You see God in the face of his son, Jesus Christ, who was sent in the likeness of God. The visible image of the invisible God. What did Jesus do? How did he do it? With what heart did he do it? Context. Seeing how those character traits worked together. Mercy triumphant over judgment. His heart in every issue. Go and sin no more. I remember as a teenager when I'd be at my grandparents' house, I remember one time in particular, it was like a Saturday or something, my Uncle Joey was over there and the rest of the family. I would just, you know, how many of those teenagers can be lazy and sleep a lot? <laughs> I was terrible. They come banging on my door about 12 noon. I mean, I'm not kidding. I was asleep. They had to knock on the door about three different times. And I couldn't see it, but I could almost hear my grandfather's eyebrows doing this, you know, from the back room. <laughs> Finally, I said, I better get up. And this was back in the 70s, mind you, early 80s. And back then, you know, had them little short shorts, you know, everybody wore them short shorts, had them. I had some short shorts I'd slept in. I come walking out of the room, walk straight up in the kitchen where everybody was sitting at the table, hand brushed my hair, my teeth, and nothing. Sat down at the table, started spooning stuff on my plate. I said, y'all better get all the lasagna you, you want because I'm eating the rest. My Uncle Joy got so mad at me, you know, because the way I was behaving and stuff. And I think back. We gave my papa a bad rap. You know, when I was young, I thought he was crazy. But now when I look back and I write these stories and I think about what hap actually happened, you know that time I got beat out by the Highway 61? That was because I'd hit him in the head with a dirt clod. 
And he had warned me three or four times up and down the road as he was driving a truck. Don't you throw them dirt cards at me there, boy. I finally hit him in the head. He, he should have killed me. I look back at all the things, he, you know. In fact, he showed tremendous patience at times. You know, he had a crazy switch. <laughs> now, I'm not saying God has a crazy switch, but I'm just saying... When you look back and you think, you know, take off them rose-colored glasses again because we all see ourselves, you know, and every man's right in his own eyes. We always think everybody's out to get me. A lot, just about every teenager back there probably is thinking, you know, i got the worst parents ever, you know. But, you know, when they get to their mid-20s or so, they'll begin to say, you know, maybe mom and dad ain't so stupid after all. And they'll start coming back to you for advice and stuff. Let me ask a question. It's, I don't think there's anybody in here, but if, if you, do you know somebody? Do you know somebody who's going through hard times, a Christian, that's just really going through it? Could it, it's just an observation, could it be that God has been looking at their life and not seeing any fruit? And so the Lord Jesus steps in and says, don't pluck them up yet. Let me have a chance with them. I'll spend special attention on them, and I'll dung them real good. <laughs> huh? Sometimes you got to let people smell what they're really walking in. So they'll want to come out of that way of life and produce fruit. Maybe you're going through a season. Ask yourself, you know, he's a good, good father. Everything he does is to help you. His character is, is impeccable. So if you're going through a hard time, ask yourself, have I been producing fruit? Maybe this is a result of me getting off track and God's just trying to get my attention. It's the mercy of God. Begin to look at things differently. Always trust in God. No matter what's happening, don't blame God. I can assure you that he's on your side. But he does scourge every son that he receives. And he will chastise the ones he calls sons. He will put a whooping on your boo, honey. He can be quite zesty. Well, I'll close with this. I wrote this. Maybe we should display a little more fear of the Lord and knowledge of of the holy. Maybe we should view sin with the same hatred that God does and view grace as our way out, not our way in. God wants us to go into the promised land. He's given us everything we need by the power of his very own spirit living in our hearts. We must respond with true faith, moral excellence, we must increase in knowledge, self-control, in patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and just live to love everyone like he does. We must hunger and thirst for what God desires. Righteousness. Everybody treating everybody right. Everybody doing the right thing. There's no, sin, uh, the wages of sin is death. He doesn't want anybody involved in that. He's hated it from the beginning. He came to destroy the works of the devil. 
not for us to, to lap it up like a dog. I just wanted you to know the full gospel tonight. Little balance, bringing a little balance. I don't want it said that we don't preach the full gospel, the full counsel of God's word. I know it can be heavy to, to talk about these kind of things, but we get plenty of teaching on love and, and mercy and, and patience that God has with us and he's working it out with us and all those things. But I want you to know, we don't have to live like that. There's really no reason for us to live like that when all God has done for us. He's more than enough. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.